Welcome to Inspiration to Publication with your host and award-winning editor, Caroline Smith. Now, here's Caroline. Hello, my writerly friends, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Inspiration to Publication. This is episode two of season two, and today we are going to be talking all about rules. Rules. Are they good? Are they bad? What are the rules? So the title of this episode is actually, There Are No Rules, Only Principles. And that's something that I really want to reinforce to you as you're thinking about your writing journey. Maybe you've started writing. Maybe you're thinking about writing. Maybe you're halfway through your book. Maybe you've even finished your book. But one of the things that I think is really important to take into consideration when we're writing is to leave all of those rules at the door. Now, I'm a Capricorn, so I love rules. I love abiding by rules. But one of the questions that I get a lot when people are taking their writing journey is, should I include this? Can I do this? And and that's something that really makes them pause and creates a certain amount of writer's block in their reading because they're not sure if they should. So they get stuck in place by this question that really is rhetorical about their own writing and how they should proceed with that writing. So my very humble suggestion to you is do whatever is required in your story. If you're writing fiction, you have a lot more leeway with this than if you're writing nonfiction, of course, because in nonfiction, we do have certain expectations. We expect sentences to be SVDO, which is subject, verb, direct, object. They're not usually very flowery. There's not a lot of extra language involved in that. And I talk about that a lot more in my nonfiction podcast episodes But the way that you decide to create the narrative within that nonfiction work is completely and totally up to you. Nonfiction works tend to be less story-driven, of course, than fiction works, but they do still need to be compelling and interesting. So I would hope that you're taking the time to kind of interweave something in there that's going to be interesting. Even if it's a case study Um, you know, for a business book that you might be writing or an example of something, there's often a really great way of setting an example with a story and creating a narrative there rather than just saying, here's what this is, here's how I did it, here's how you can do it, or something along those lines. You still want it to be interesting. However, in both fiction and nonfiction, I want you to really release all of the rules that you learned when you were in school. And I know that that sounds really contrary to the craft of writing, but something that one of my writing professors, and he's actually the head of the program at Queen's University, which is the Master's in Fine Art program that I'm currently doing in creative writing, And he said something so impactful to us earlier this spring, and it was, there are no rules, there are only principles. So that comes directly from him. I'm citing my source in podcast form. Um, And it really changed my view of things, not only as a writer, but also as an editor. Because if we really, it's important to know those rules. Don't get me wrong. We do need to know what they are. We need to know that using active voice is usually better than using passive voice. We need to know that adverbs are not necessarily the best way to convey things. We need to know that 
an effusive amount of exclamation points is not necessary. However, if you're, as I said, in the early stages of your writing or you're just starting this process, it's okay to do those things. Do whatever is required for you to get your first draft done. If that means you want to put 17 exclamation marks, do that. If that means that you want to create passive voice or that a certain character requires passive voice, then do that. You're reinforcing that passivity, that milquetoast character with that passive language. So do that. You may, I just read a book, um, yesterday called Normal People um, by Sally Rooney, and she doesn't use quotation marks throughout any of her dialogue, and she is very limited with the punctuation that she uses. Now, it was kind of hard for me in the first few pages to get into what she was doing, but once my brain kind of understood that that was the form she was taking, as a reader, I got used to it and I wasn't distracted by it. Now, you may have other readers that are completely distracted by it, and that's okay. Your writing is not necessarily for everyone. But especially if you're in a fiction place where you can play with form, play with language, play with style, play with all of these different ideas for what we know of the rules, then you can kind of turn them on their head and do whatever you want. Our fiction writing gives us a lot more space to be creative than nonfiction. Sorry, nonfiction writers. Um, but I think that it's really important that we we keep that in mind while we're writing because that question of should I be doing this really shouldn't be a part of your dialogue when you're drafting. Again, I'm going to say this multiple times, you know, not only throughout this podcast, but probably in other podcasts as well. Do what is required. Do what your characters require. Do whatever you need to to put things on paper. And also, you know that my favorite answer to anything in writing and publishing is, it depends. So this answer is universal throughout almost everything in the writing publishing process. If you do want to use adverbs heavily, then use those. But again, it depends on what your character needs from those adverbs. Same thing with passive voice that I just mentioned earlier. So really don't worry about, at least in your first draft, don't worry about what the supposed rules are. Because let's be honest, the rules are relatively arbitrary. And you have other professionals, you know, your editor eventually will come in and say, oh, no, we need to do this because of X, Y, and Z. And we do, you know, I say this, which seems so contrary to my um, education as an editor because I have this giant Chicago manual of style that tells me what the rules are and how I should be following them when I edit someone's work. But I also know that so much in language and so much with fiction especially is subjective and it's a very refined technique as far as editorial is concerned and there's a lot of technical aspect to it and a lot of things that we have to keep in mind but we really also want the author to lead the way in that. I'll give you a really good example which is poetry. I am very hands-off when it comes to editing poetry because 
I know that typically my poets are very intentional about the space that they take up in their writing. So they could be writing, you know, they want to include sesoras and enjambment and, you know, quintets and all kinds of different elements of poetry, but they want to do that in their own unique way. And so I kind of just try to be hands off. And mostly the thing that I try to do is be consistent with my poets. So if they have a semicolon in three stanzas, but they're missing one in another stanza, then I might mark that and say, hey, did you want to include a stanza? I'm sorry, a semicolon in this stanza as well to maintain consistency with all of your other stanzas, because maybe it's just something that they accidentally left out. Or if there's internal rhyme in several stanzas and then they miss um, you know, a line, I might bring that up as well and, and kind of help them, you know, refine some of that rhyme scheme. But so those are the types of things I'm looking out for. But really, that's just about consistency, not about sticking to hard and fast rules of grammar. The other thing that I like to keep in mind, um, and, and, you know, a lot of our, our English textbooks are taking a look at 18th and 19th century literature, that's typically what we're taught. And our writers from those time periods, the classics, quote unquote, which are not necessarily my favorite things to read, um, are very, they, they follow the rules. And they were also creating new rules at the time, though. So if we think about like Mary Shelley and Frankenstein, no one had ever created a gothic novel before she did. So that was very new. And her editor, well, she actually self-published, but at the time, you know, people had to be open and receptive to that. And they were. And of course, as we know, gothic literature took off. And then not too long after we had... Um, Edgar Allan Poe and all of the amazing poets and romantics that kind of came out of that genre. But that's something that I think is kind of a held on to belief that we have to follow the rules that have been in place since the 1800s when style books were first starting to be written and, you know, people started following guidelines of things. But that really is an antiquated version of language and literature. So postmodernists, the the authors that we think of, you know, from the 1920s onward, um, really didn't, they, they knew the rules, but they wanted to break them. So I think of people like William Faulkner and E.E. E. Cummings in particular, who hated punctuation. William Faulkner has so many run-on sentences. E.E. E. Cummings played with form so much in his poetry and really let go of everything that was holding him back. Philip Larkin is another good example um, of a postmodernist poet. Sylvia Plath, even, with The Bell Jar, is kind of a great example of knowing what those rules are and bending them, if not completely breaking them. And that is what makes them visionaries in their field. And what also makes them award winners is that they were willing to think outside of the box and do things creatively. Now, as an editor, <laughs> um, I hate to think of what, you know, William Faulkner's editor was going through when he was working on his manuscripts. Um, and one of my favorite editor idols, his name is Max Perkins, and I've talked about him previously, but he um, was Hemingway's editor in addition to numerous other very famous authors. But he and Hemingway had a very good relationship um, often tumultuous, where they would argue back and forth about form and things. And, um, you know, Hemingway really kind of helped him 
let go, helped Max Perkins let go of some of those rules and really wanted to kind of push the boundaries. So do that within your own writing. And maybe this is something you've thought of before. Maybe it's not something you've thought of before, or maybe it's something that you've questioned and these questions have kind of made you pause in your writing and you're not really sure how to move forward. Do whatever is required. Bend the rules, break the rules. If it's really that problematic, someone will give you feedback on it. So if they're not really understanding your intention of what you're trying to create, that can be a problem because we do write, most of us write in order to be read. Uh, That's not necessarily true for everyone, but if you are intending to give this to other people and have them give you feedback, which I highly encourage, and they're really just not understanding where you're going with this, and you have that from multiple people, then you may want to kind of shift gears a little bit and think about incorporating some of those rules again if you want to. Now, there are certain rules that are followed within certain genres. I use air quotes around the word rules. Um, In romance in particular, we call these tropes. And the tropes are things like, you know, enemies to lovers, best friends to lovers, billionaire, like Cinderella story. And they're tropes because they're the things that we're used to seeing in romance novels. We kind of expect them um, and they're comforting in that. Now, that's not to say that if you don't have a trope, that you're failing as a novelist or a romance novelist, but it's certainly something to keep in mind because when you're writing for such a major group of people um, and a genre like that, then they do have certain expectations that they will want you to meet. So, you know, typically that's something like the quote-unquote meet-cute where the hero and heroine meet happens within the first or second chapter. Um, I push the boundaries on that in my um, most recent fiction novel that's getting ready to come out in January uh, because they don't meet until the third chapter. But that was what was required for my story. They didn't need to meet until the third chapter. So I listened to my characters and I put that in where I felt like it was most appropriate. I am still following quote unquote guidelines for romance um, but that was, you know, an area where I felt like I could push that a little bit and, and still meet the expectations of my readers, because obviously we're still having, um, kind of a moment with these two characters, but not until chapter three. And they don't have to meet on the first page. That's a question that I often have asked of people in romance groups is, do they have to meet on the first page? And the answer is no. Sometimes you need a little bit of backstory, but you don't want a ton of exposition. I will say, too, there's different thoughts, of course, in terms of people who create writing guides and style guides that really want you to stick stick very strictly and adhere to those guidelines. And again, that really is not important when you're just in the early phases and stages of your writing. You don't need to really think about how to implement those things until you get to the self-editing stage, until you get to the beta reader stage, or until you kind of start working with an editor. And if you are going to be working with an editor, you probably want to set that guideline up initially. So if I'm having a conversation with an author and they say, here's the deal, 
I hate semicolons or I hate periods, so I use semicolons everywhere, then I might say, okay, well, let me take a look and do an editorial sample and make sure that that fits what you're trying to accomplish. And if it doesn't, then we need to have a conversation about that. But if that's something that my author wants to stick to, then I probably will end up sticking to that depending on whether or not it's fiction or nonfiction or a children's book or something like that, that wouldn't necessarily be appropriate. Um, But it just really, if you set that tone early on, because if I edit your entire manuscript and I take out all of the semicolons or dashes or ellipses or whatever it is, that's at least in terms of punctuation. Um, But stylistically, if there's other things that you want to keep in there that you've intentionally created, like you want to keep the passive voice throughout a certain chapter or something, be forthcoming about that with your editor and tell them that that's something that you did intentionally. So then that way they can anticipate it and not necessarily go, why did you do all of this? Um, And leave all, all kinds of comments and red lines in your track changes in your Word document. With beta readers, you don't necessarily have to be forthcoming about that information, although they might find it helpful so that they don't come back to you with the same feedback. And the reason for that is, again, it's just that we expect certain things in writing. And when those expectations aren't met, it's not that we're disappointed. It's just that something feels off. And sometimes we can't even really name what that thing is, but we know that there's some kind of subtle shift. And I read a couple of articles before this podcast to kind of see what people say are the quote unquote rules for writing. And every single rule that I read, I could think of a short story, um, a novel, poetry, something that broke those rules. And again, it was things like avoid passive voice, don't start with the weather, um, which seemed very strange to me, but it was one of them. Um, You know, don't use adverbs, um, leave out all the exposition, exclamation points. You don't want to use just those to indicate action or excitement in your writing. You want to use other words. Um, Don't ever use a long word when a short word will do. But again, all of these things depend on your characters. They depend on the story that you're telling. They depend on so many different things. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes is from Dead Poet Society, where Robin Williams' character says that language was invented to woo women and not to use words like just and very. Um, And I love that quote. And I think that it's phenomenal because it just helps us extend outside of what we typically think of as, you know, words, throwaway words, basically, that we don't necessarily need to include in our writing. So my homework, if you want to consider that for you this week, if you're working on a piece of writing, I want you to not think about the rules. Throw away everything that you think you know about writing and just let it be. I am guilty of this all the time. Some critique that my professor gives me is that I often, not always, but I will sometimes try to force my characters to do things in my short stories that, you know, it gives me pleasure to have them do that, but that's not necessarily what the character needs. So that's something that I am constantly working on as a craft writer of fiction. And it it helps me to have that permission from him to say, it's okay. Let your character do whatever they need to do. Don't try to force them into something because you think it's going to meet the reader's expectation. Let them do what needs to be done. And so I'm giving you that feedback as well because it's something that I've found to be so incredibly helpful in my own writing 
of not necessarily knowing where the story is going and letting my characters take me there. And sometimes they really surprise me. Um, that absolutely happened in the romance novel that I wrote called Under a Blanket of Blue. My villain turned out to not be my villain. Um, once I, you know, had was almost finished with the story and I was like, wait a minute, no, this doesn't work at all. And so I really had to go back and reset my own expectations of the book that I was working on. And I didn't end up throwing too much away um, of the manuscript, but I certainly did end up just letting it be and letting go of the need as the author to direct the story, because that's not what my story needed. That was not what was required of me in that story. And I'm finding the same thing with my short stories, because character creation, world building, dialogue, all of these things are challenging, and we need feedback on them. We need perspectives from other people Reading is subjective. Writing is subjective. You know, he is going to have opinions that maybe my peers don't necessarily share. Um, and he might have a different view of the story than I did. And my, you know, peers in my workshop groups groups might give me completely different feedback that they loved it. And he wants me to expand a little bit. So it's very different because obviously we're bringing our own lives, our own knowledge, our own baggage really into our reading experience. And that can really dictate how something is read. So I say that also in terms of beta readers. If you use a beta reader, just kind of take, um, you know, their feedback seriously, but also with a grain of salt. I've seen a lot of people that get really upset over what their beta readers are telling them and the feedback that they're giving them because it doesn't meet their quote unquote rules and it doesn't meet their expectations or it feels different than something they would normally read. But again, what is the intention behind that? So let all of that go. Let the story go. Let your characters be what they need to be. Get rid of all the rules. Your editor will help you with those if you need them. But just let go and keep those principles of writing in mind of ways to create a story. And really the major things that you need to create a story are character and conflict. Those are the two main things. And of course, plot, that's very important. But usually character and conflict both drive the plot. Um, so really, those are the only main things you need to focus on when you're creating a work of fiction. And of course, if there's a little bit of conflict in your nonfiction, that's not terrible either, because that's what creates a compelling story. As humans, we really want that conflict. We want to understand what the conflict is and how it's resolved. So if you're doing nonfiction, you can still keep those principles of writing in mind, but you also want to kind of interweave conflict throughout your nonfiction narrative as well. And definitely for true for creative nonfiction, um, something like a memoir, um, but definitely something to keep in mind, even with nonfiction writing of here's the problem, here's how I solved it. And I have a whole podcast episode on writing a book for your business that goes into much more depth about that. Um, so yeah, keep those principles in mind. Don't worry so much about the rules. Don't worry about should you do this? Just do it. Write whatever needs to be written. Write what is required. Listen to your characters if you're doing fiction. 
listen to yourself if you're doing nonfiction, because as a nonfiction writer, typically you're a subject matter expert. And probably what got you to the place where you are is by not being a rule follower. And I've seen, you know, different things saying that writers love rules or writers hate rules. And I think it can be both. Anyone can be a writer. And that doesn't mean that we fall into certain archetypes necessarily or certain styles of people. I think writers are inherently very creative and typically creative people like to bend and often break the rules. So just do what's required. Write what you want to write. Commit to your writing. Commit to your characters. We're going to have a whole nother podcast on making time for writing and committing to your writing. But for now, Go into writing, especially for this next year of 2021, knowing that you can create whatever you need to create. Give yourself that permission to let go into your writing and not worry so much about the rules. I hope this has been helpful for you today. I hope that you've gotten a little bit of insight for your writing and ways to help accomplish your writing and letting go of things that may be holding you back from your writing. I would love to hear from you if you have any questions. Please take a chance to visit my website, editorcaroline.com, where you can get in touch with me there. Writing as Meditation is currently out for sale on my website as well, um, editorcaroline.com. It's also available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Books A Million. And my latest release, Under a Blanket of Blue, pre-sale on December 15th on my website, and officially the launch will be happening January 1st, and I can't wait to share it with you and read it. Go ahead if you're not doing so, and I would love to have you be following me on Instagram. That is at editor underscore Caroline. I've been doing a lot of IGTV videos lately about my writing process um, about this new book and you can find all kinds of great content on there. And you can also find me on Facebook, which is at editor underscore Caroline as well. And it's Caroline Smith, editor and author coach on my Facebook page. So please take the opportunity to, co to connect with me, interact with me. I love to see what my authors are doing and what they're creating. Tag me in a post. If you'd like to send me a DM and ask me a question or shoot me an email info at editorcaroline.com. I would love to create a dialogue with you and help you with anything that you feel like you need to be overcoming in your writing right now. So thanks so much. And I will talk to you on the next podcast. Happy writing. Thank you for listening to Inspiration to Publication with Caroline Smith. For more information or to contact Caroline, go to editorcaroline.com. Today's episode was brought to you by Rhapsody in Blooms, specializing in elegant weddings and events across the Southeast. For more information, visit rhapsodyinblooms.com.